Hello, and welcome to Birthish, the podcast where everyone's birth story matters. Hello, I'm Tiara, a millennial mom, doula, and lactation specialist. And I'm Jaisha, a millennial midwife and women's health advocate. We have joined together to create a space to discuss all things related to birth. This space was also created to educate and allow women to share their stories. Every woman has a journey, and it's so inspiring when women can come together to fellowship and share. Please remember that the information on this show is not medical advice and cannot be used to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at birth.ish. You can also email us at birth.ish, the podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your feedback. DM us or email us and let us know what topics you would like to hear, what we can do better, or if you would like to be a guest. Now it's time for some birth-ish. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Birthish. We are loving all the positive feedback and engagement from all of our listeners. I can't believe it's already our third episode. We've had some amazing stories shared with us. Shout out to our first two guests, Rochelle and Tyshonda. And I'm super, super excited because we have our third guest today in our series entitled Black Birth Matters. So like I said, if you haven't listened, please go back. Go to our trailer, learn more about me and Tiara, and go back and listen to some of these amazing moms and their stories. Yes, we are so, so happy to be back. Um, We've kind of wrapped up the month of April and are heading into May, but we still would like you all to continue to send your birth stories in to us. For the month of May, we're going to kind of switch gears and be focusing on mental health and wellness. So please stay tuned. We have some great guests in mind for you. And with that said, I wanted to definitely allow space for one of my breasties. I call <laughs> all my lactation consultant friends breasties. <laughs> um, just to come and share her birth story. Um, we met online. To me, she is just truly a superwoman, like beautiful inside and outside and She's a twin mom like me. She's a sister in Christ, and she has the best spirit. We connected, like, immediately upon speaking. So let's welcome Tiana. Hello, ladies, and thank you for having me on the show. (laughs) Yes, we're so excited. We are so, so, so excited to have you. So So we would love to just hear a a little bit about you. And then we'll kind of get into your birth story. Okay, sure. So as you are, as Tiara already mentioned, I am an IBCLC. And I've been IBCLC for almost nine years. And I gained most of my experience as an IBCLC from working as a mother-baby nurse, both in and out of the hospital setting. And that was for, that's been for about 19 years, for over actually over 19 years. Let me take that back. And more recently, I've decided to pursue a career as a postpartum doula and start my own business called Compassionate Doula Services. Oh, um, that's I, so amazing. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm really excited about that. I'm still new. So th- I just started that business. When did I start? Um, June of last year. And can you tell us more about what postpartum doulas do for you know our listeners that may not be aware of that? 
Yes. Yeah, so postpartum doulas, basically, with just understand what postpartum even means, because I know a lot of times with postpartum, what I'm finding is, is that they feel it's synonymous with depression, postpartum depression. Right. Yeah. Right. So I find that a lot. Um, if you just Google the word postpartum, you'll find depression. So postpartum just means the period of immediately following childbirth up to six or eight weeks. I mean, it can even go further than that. But if you look up the definition, that's what it says. And so basically a postpartum doula cares for someone that's delivered a baby and it's can be up to six to eight weeks, but longer. So a postpartum doula comes in to fill in the gaps that maybe she may not be getting from family and friends, providing nutritional support, um, community resources, uh, helping with postpartum healing, um, breastfeeding support. Uh, what else could we provide? Emotional support, provide a non-judgmental ear. Mm-hmm. Um, folding laundry, things of that nature. Anything that the mom and family would need is basically what a postpartum doula, at least what that's what I provide, a uh, postpartum doula does. Filling those gaps, providing the, the, the care and support that they need after having a baby. That's so amazing. Yeah. I think every woman needs a postpartum doula, really. Yeah, I could have used one. <laughs> I, I didn't know what the postpartum doula was until recently, maybe two years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's so amazing. Yes. And wow. so I started that business, like I said, June of last year. And with the business, I provide, um, I specialize in premature caring for premature infants and multiples. Um, and the business provides the antepartum and postpartum. I also do antepartum doula support as well. Um, postpartum doula support, lactation support. Um, specialize in baby nurse services and and car seat safety education. You are just, you know, we just need to come see you for everything. I told you. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and can you say your business again and where people can find you? You know, yes, compassionate doula services, and I've serviced Harford County, Cecil County, parts of Delaware, parts of Anne Arundel County, Baltimore County, and Baltimore City. That's amazing, Kiana. You are the, that's the cream of the crop. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I still have a lot to learn, but I'm trying. Yes. Is there anything, other things you want to share with our listeners about yourself and just your journey? Oh, yeah. And your life, where you're from and things like yes, that. Yes. So I'm um, a military brat. Um, I don't know if that's even a term anymore, but I know when I was younger, we call it military brat. Mm-hmm. So my father was in the Navy. So I've been I've been exposed to all types of cultures. I've been all over the U.S. Um, so being a military brat, um, Maryland has been my primary primary location. So I've been in Maryland. When did we move to Maryland? When I was thirteen. So I've been in this area since I was thirteen. Um, went to Coppin State University. Coppin State, that's where I got my nursing degree. Is that in Baltimore? Yes, Coppin State, yes. right there on North Avenue. Got it. So uh pursued the degree and a bachelor's degree in nursing. So I've been, like I said, I've been doing that for 19 years. I've worked as a community health nurse. Um, right now I'm a home health nurse as well, pediatric home health nurse. And 
worked in a little short stint in labor and delivery and also mother baby units. And during my hospital, hospital nursing, um, I, that's where I met my husband. So my husband is a police officer. It seems like the trend is most people I know that are nurses, they're either married to a firefighter or a police officer. So, yeah. so, police officer. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so um, I'm married to a police officer. Um, and we, we, yeah, he, he accepts my profession and I, uh, it, with his profession, it's, I've gotten better with not being as nervous because he's a police officer. Right. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it goes hand in hand. So like he's a first responder. I'm a first, you know, a yeah. first responder. So it's like, a, it's a perfect match. Um, and we like to travel, uh, and now that we have a family, it's a little different, but yeah, so that's, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes, it seems like you do so much and it's so inspiring, you know, just all the hats that you have and that's wonderful. And all the moms and, you know, babies that you'll be helping. And so we're Definitely. so glad to have you and to hear some more about you and your birth story. Thank you. You're welcome. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, um, you know, sharing with that. And again, listeners, definitely be sure to check out her business and support her. Um, so let's go back a little bit. Well, a lot of it. <laughs> kind of tell us. Um, I know we kind of have a thing in common that we're both mothers of twins so kind and of I, I just want to say that is y'all are amazing awesome. <laughs> I don't have kids yet and I'm like wondering just about one and y'all have twins oh my goodness well Tierra has me because she has more than just twins <laughs> yes. she has more than so she kept going after she had twins I so. kept going mm, <laughs> Kiana, you were like, that's it. <laughs> I'm still trying to get uh, adjusted to having twins, and they're eight now. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a Definitely. lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It really is. So tell us kind of what was that like, you finding out that you were expecting twins yes. and kind of, you know, how did the pregnancy go, especially with you already being knowledgeable, you know, in the health field, kind of tell us how your thought process went to, okay, I'm pregnant. And on top of that, pregnant with multiples. Right. So my personality is I'm a type A personality. So I'm a planner. Yes. Same. <laughs> so... <laughs> Me and my hu my husband and I had tried to get pregnant on our own. Mm -hmm. um, we had tried, and I discovered that I had um, endometriosis. Tried to do surgery. Um, the surgery was success, I guess, a success, but I still had pain with that. So the doctor had. We actually were seeing um, our IVS specialist. Okay. And can you explain what specialist. that is, Kiana, for people that don't know? Um. So it, you mean the IVF? You could do endometriosis, IVF. This is an educational. Yeah, so endometriosis, how do I, I don't know the technical, like, how to define it, but it's basically it's where you have uterine tissue on other parts in your abdomen other than the uterus. So they don't know exactly how that tissue transfers to other parts. 
of the abdomen. They're not really, I mean, I don't think there's an actual uh, explanation, a full explanation of that. So I basically right. had uterine tissue on other parts of like my abdomen. So I had it for me, I had it on my ovaries, I had it on my mm-hmm. bladder. Um, I think those were the main areas. So the mm-hmm. doctor had to go in and try to remove that extra uterine tissue because it was causing scar tissue, which sometimes can lead to fertility issues. Mm-hmm. So they did an endoscopy, a, a laparoscopic surgery where they actually went in to remove the, the try to remove as much of the uterine tissue that wasn't in the place that it should be. Um, thinking that would help with, um, the success of us getting my husband and I, um, getting pregnant. So after a while, they said, just try for a year. Um, and so that was our actual, um, fertility specialist. So. And so we tried to wait a year, but the pain came back for me. So for me, endometriosis caused a lot of pain, very Mm -hmm. painful menstrual cycles, but very painful menses. So I couldn't hold out a whole year to continue trying on our own. Mm -hmm. So I just went ahead and called the fertility specialist and said, can we just go ahead and try the next step? We can't. It's too painful. Every month it feels like someone's stabbing me in my abdomen. I wake up out of my sleep screaming. So we went ahead, maybe, I think we had tried maybe, I don't know, maybe four months, four to five mm-hmm. months. I couldn't do a whole year. It was just, it was just torture. So we went ahead and did in vitro fertilization, IVF. Um, so that's basically where they take the, take my husband's sperm and then join my, um, eggs together in a lab and mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. fertilizes under watchful eyes of the fertility team they basically watch that happen and and then choose the best embryos once they divide the cells divide um decide which embryo is the best that will most likely take and cause a pregnancy um so they chose the best two and those two were a success on the first try so our first attempt at ivs was a success wow so wonderful yes So, you know, we didn't know how that would go. So that's how our, you know, journey started with that. So we had a plan. So once we, you know, early on, we knew we were pregnant. So, you know, because you were constantly going in to the um, fertility clinic to get blood work done, to mm-hmm. see what your hormone levels are, your ACG levels are, to see how the pregnancy is progressing, if you actually are pregnancy, ultrasounds. So we found out early on that we were expecting, but we didn't know if the two would take. So when we found out there were two, we were just, I was just in shock. I was just, uh, I'm like, this is it. This is really happening. This is real. I'm like, wow, this is, I I immediately called my mother. I'm just like, guess what, ma? I'm pregnant with twins. I didn't tell everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were just excited. We were just like, wow. And then at the same time, we were excited, but we, you know, for being my first pregnancy and just, I guess with some, some women, they feel like, okay, I'm going to keep this to myself just in case there's instant, you know, a case of miscarriage or you don't yeah. want to get the information out. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I'm glad so that's how I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I shared it with my mom and then we kind of didn't share it with everyone else until maybe, I don't even know, maybe 10 weeks, 12 weeks. Maybe I didn't share it with my, my place of employment until about, three or four months, maybe think. So it was hard to keep that secret because there'd be certain things going on and I couldn't tell them. And they'd be like, well, you can do this. I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't, <laughs> you know, yeah. they won't understand why, you know? 
Yeah. Um, so that was really uh, hard, but it was exciting because at the same time, maybe around, let's see, I'm trying to think, uh, maybe into the end of my first trimester going into my second, my mom had called me and told me that my sister, my baby sister was pregnant with twins as well. So that was, um, yes. <laughs> so y'all were both pregnant with twins at the same time? Yes. She didn't do IVF. Yeah. It was just, it was just, just the it worked out for her. <laughs> so oh that part God. was not, like, you know, really planned. So that was exciting. So my mom, she called me. She's like, I can't believe it. Guess what? I'm gonna have four grandbabies at the same time. I'm like, oh my goodness. That is so crazy. <laughs> so that. That part was just, it was exciting. Um, once it got to the point where I could finally reveal to fam, more than just my mom, like when I could finally let everybody know we're pregnant with twins, it was really, um, really exciting, but it was a high risk pregnancy because at the time they gave the, the you know, they give the term advanced maternal age because of my age. So mm-hmm. I was, how old was I? To think back, how old was I? How old was I when I, I want to say I was 34. 33 going on 34. Yep. I think it well we di- um consider advanced maternal age now like 35 or greater. Okay. 35 and greater was I 30 I wasn't 35 then. They gave me that that title early. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they do it at 34 and people are like, "Uh-uh." Right. <laughs> You're about to turn 35. Right. Right. I think yeah, I think maybe it was I was getting ready to turn 35. Maybe that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Right. So I turned 35 at the end before I delivered, that's what it was. Okay, yeah. so that's why. Okay, so there was a lot of um, high risk doctor appointments going mm-hmm. in to do different tests that they would do because of my age. Um, so that was, you know, and it, that was that was um, a different experience that I, you know didn't plan for, but that's just the way it was. Um, and then let's see, um, as far as the healthcare providers that I use, it was kind of like I had to, because of the profession that I was already in, I already had like connections with resources in my community. So I kind of right. like wrote it down and could ask around based on people who I trusted. Who do you use? Who do you recommend? Right. And I really wanted a midwife for my pregnancy. I just really, that's what I always wanted. That's what I wanted. I wanted a midwife. For my pregnancy, but once um, I, they found out I was high risk um, because I also had um, chronic hypertension, so mm-hmm. it developed preeclampsia. Yeah. So I was assigned to a midwife, but then she had to give me up to a physician, just an OBGYN, once they found they labeled me as high risk because mm-hmm. um, of your age and the preeclampsia and the twin pregnancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they transferred. It was the same practice, but they said, okay, we're gonna you know, give you over to the OB. He's like a, a we call him like a midwife doctor. So you're know, <laughs> in good hands. So I kind of felt better about that. He was, he was great. So, um, but it was in the same practice. So the midwife that I was assigned with, she would make a point of, you know, coming in to say hi to me. So I would still have some, somewhat of that experience, just say hi and right. you know, yeah. talk That's to me. Great. So I would still get that experience, you know, that what I really wanted. Yeah. Um, so that's how I came about my provider, like choosing just because of my professional having connections with resources and then just, um, really narrowing it down to, uh, what recommendations my friends, close friends or coworkers would give me. 
And I love how like um, you were able to kind of get collaborative care, and that's mm-hmm. like a model, a model that you know I wish was everywhere. I actually worked at a practice where we were able to collaborate a lot with our physician partner. So the same thing happens. Like we'll have a patient, and they may you know technically be out of our scope, or we'll be able to still care for them in some mm-hmm. ways. But you know, it's not like you're just all right. You're just the OBs now, you know. Right. So I, so it's because it's like once you're a midwife patient, it's like you're always a midwife patient. It's like we still offer that support. But just like for our listeners, like sometimes in some situations, there are things that are just a little bit more high risk. And so you may have mm-hmm. to, you know, have an OB. But sometimes if you can find a practice where there's midwives, you can we can still kind of collaborate and like be a part of your care as well. So. Right. I think that's important. And then I wanted to ask like, what things do you wish you would have known? I mean, you kind of knew a lot since you were already in the medical field, but were there some things that you were like, even like me being in the medical field, like I wasn't like, I don't think I was ready for this or I wish I would have known more about something. Right. Yeah. So, well, I thought that I was well prepared for my birth, my pregnancy, because like you said, because of my profession, what I did worked with antepartum and postpartum women for so long, but I really I guess I was wrong about that. I, I think I, I wasn't as prepared as I thought I was. I was type A personality. I know I can't control everything, but I'm just like, okay, I'm going to have a midwife. I'm going to have this. And so with the pregnancy, not knowing it would be high risk, I know I had chronic hypertension, but I didn't know it would be preterm. You know, I had ended up developing preterm labor. And so because I was, I don't think I was prepared for the emotional and physical toll that my pregnancy and birth took on me. Mm-hmm. So, um, or the time even leading up to it, like everything that, like the IVF, um, everything, the, just everything that you have to do with even before the pre, everything I had to do with before the pregnancy. So I think looking back, I wish I had known about different resources or support for women that are going through fertility. Um, if I had known about antepartum doulas, mm-hmm. um, postpartum doulas. <laughs> To help fill in the gaps that hospital staff, family, friends that sometimes can't provide because they're busy, they work too, um, that they can't provide or maybe they just don't understand, they can't relate because it's not, they're, they don't, they've never gone through it, that experience, so they may not be able to help you with some of those, those the emotional and physical tolls that you may go through. Um, just, I think with having someone fill in the gaps, someone who could advocate for me when I was too weak to do speak up for myself because I was so tired emotionally. To speak up, maybe if someone was giving me unfair treatment or, mm-hmm. you know, during exams and I felt like they weren't rushing me or treating me like another number, you know, don't you, you know, maybe if I had someone that would speak up who I could talk to about that and they would maybe be a voice for me. Not that I couldn't do it, but sometimes you're just so tired and emotionally you just don't want to speak anymore. You just feel weak. So I wish I had known about more advocates, maybe say an antepartum doula. Or postpartum mm-hmm. kind of would have been there for me to speak when I couldn't speak. Yes, and I think that's great a great point that you brought up because a lot of times, like moms are like, "Well, I wish I would have like you know known other things about you know the pregnancy and stuff like that." But it's kind of like you already knew that stuff. But just like the point that you brought up as far as having someone to advocate for you, because a lot mm-hmm. of times people are like, "Well, I don't necessarily know if I need a doula or mm-hmm. this because, you, or even if you're like, well, I'm a second time mom, you know, my, my, I may have my baby fast or, you know, just mm-hmm. different things. Mm-hmm. But just having that voice, like someone that's with you who can advocate for you, who can say, well, let's 
well, let's think about that. And, or you don't have to, right. you don't have to go with that, you know? So right. That's a, a wonderful point that you broke, brought up. Cause I don't think a lot of people think about that actually. So right. Cool. Like I said, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that even as a medical professional, like, a, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in the times today, all the things that we're hearing about. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> this thing yeah. in the media, I just heard yeah. today, like I think an Instagram, a, a mom, she was like in New York and she passed, I think you might've posted about it too. Um, Tierra, she was yeah. like mm-hmm. from New York. Yeah. Yeah. And she like passed. But she said she just felt like she wasn't safe. Mm. And that like really like broke my heart because mm-hmm. she, she already said that she just felt like something was going to happen because she didn't feel safe at this hospital. And then she wow. passed after delivering. And it was so like, it was so heartbreaking, like just to hear her say that and then it actually happened, you know. Right. And I wonder if she had had an, ad- an advocate for her, would that have made a difference? Right. Yeah, and it's sad because I think a misconception a lot of people have is that the mortality rate, you know, for us is due to us not knowing or us not being able to um, express like the knowledge that we have surrounding birth. But I don't even think it's that because Mm -hmm. like. We saw how Serena Williams spoke out about Mm -hmm. her experience Mm -hmm. and even like my last birth experience and I shared it with Jaysha, like I'm knowledgeable, like I'm a doula, you know what I mean? I know my stuff, but when you're in that moment, Mm -hmm. you're exhausted and you're in that vulnerable vulnerable position, you know, as the patient, it's very hard for you to advocate for yourself. It doesn't matter like what you know, like it's very hard It's so so hard. Yes. Um, So... Thank you for pointing that out um, for us, Kiana, because I think that will help a lot of women in their decision to um, maybe hire a doula or even have a conversation with their family about advocating for them. Um, So kind of tell us how I know um, you had a lot of things um, going on with you leading up to your delivery. So kind of go to like towards the end part of your pregnancy into your birth story for us. So, let's see, where did I leave off? So, I ended up on, I went into preterm labor around 20 weeks gestation. So, they just told me to, hmm, just take it easy. Like, you know, take this, take the elevator instead of the stairs when I would go to work. Because at the time, I was a community health nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that wasn't enough. So, then eventually, they placed me on hospital bed rest around 24 weeks because of uh, preterm labor and preeclampsia. So then the day before my delivery or the plan, it was always going to be a plan C-section because well, it wasn't always, but at one, one twin was a breech position. So they had already planned, I guess mm-hmm. maybe have um, a cesarean section because of the positioning of the one twin and then the preterm labor and preeclampsia and all those things mixed in there. Um, so the day before my, um, emergency C-section, they had done, um, they were doing urine tests just to check the protein in my urine because mm-hmm. of the preeclampsia checking for the protein levels and those, and, um, protein levels. So it hadn't been 24 hours yet. They were doing 24 hour urine. And so that, that morning, one of the doctors on the team came in and said that the protein levels were high. 
Um, my liver enzymes were elevated, so we needed to go ahead and do the dissection then and there that morning. Mm-hmm. So, um, and how many weeks were you then? Yes, yeah, so I was thirty week, thirty and six seventh weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were on bed rest for a while. Then- yes, yeah, so yes, yeah, so from twenty four weeks on, I was light, like light duty somewhat at twenty, but then went in hospital bed rest around twenty four weeks. Wow. wow. Most of my third trimester was, yeah, basically all of my third trimester up until delivery was in hospital bed rest. How was that? Ah, oh, it was lonely. I have to say that my husband, he was basically on bed rest with me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a police officer in, in PG County. So, you know, I, um, delivered my babies at St. Joe's. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's quite a, dis- quite a distance. Yeah. So something were to happen. It would be he wouldn't get there in time, even with his cruiser, even who's in his cruiser. So he was on bed rest with me. So it, even though my husband was there, it was still lonely. Like, say he would go, he would have to go home sometimes. So I wanted, I would want him to leave, you know, to go home and, you know, be at home and watch TV and, and right. change his clothes. I mean, he would bring clothes, but, you know, it's just different versus staying in a hospital. So I just felt, you know. It was still feeling even if he was there or whether he would leave. I just felt alone because it wasn't like, again, I'm a type A or not even just because I'm type A, but most women you plan, you just dream of the day. It's like your wedding, you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. having children, your pregnancy is part of that. So you dream of, okay, when I, and I'm a mother baby nurse. So it's like, okay, wow, when I have babies, gonna be, I'm going to be, you know, you want to be doted on, you want to have your baby shower, you want to wear the cute pregnancy clothes, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Be pampered, maybe. Um, so, <laughs> so that wasn't what I experienced. So I had moments where I was just really down. Um, just felt again lonely. Um, thinking back now, I know I wasn't alone because I'm a Christian. So uh, I know I wasn't alone. So I had Christian friends around me too to remind me and keep scriptures and pray um, during that time. Mm-hmm. But I'm human, so I still had moments where I would feel lonely, and the view that I would have would just be the top of a hospital building, so gravel instead of, and just wanting to, this, you know, missing getting fresh air, just right. you, know, you take for granted, you know, um, being able to walk. Because I was on bed rest, I had to, if I had to get up, it would have to be in a wheelchair. Even to shower, I had to, I had to wash my hair in the bed. To use the bathroom, it would be a bedside commode. Um, to eat, it wasn't the same food, so I would lose weight because it wasn't mm-hmm. the same foods that I want. So people had to eventually bring in food so I could gain weight back. Even though I'm being on bed rest, I'm losing weight. Um, wow. constantly having, you know, uh, testing done on the babies, how their well-being is. Um, someone constantly coming in to give you medication. It was, it wasn't ideal. So it wasn't like I got rest. Um, it wasn't, it was lonely. It was, um, scary because of the uncertainty being on hospital bed rest um feeling vulnerable mm-hmm. because the doctor comes comes in and wants to do a, a you know exam and it just you know just felt i felt a bunch of emotions for, um during that that time um um yeah that's what i primarily remember it's just feeling lonely um and afraid that was those are the main things that I remember. Yeah, thanks for sharing because I know like um, going on bed rest is, doesn't seem like it's just not ideal, and then having to go on there for like such a long time, yeah. and so, like, early and things right. like that. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. And I just wanted to like take a little pointer out to talk about. 
preeclampsia for our listeners that may not know what that is. It's basically kind of like um, hypertension or, you know, a high blood pressure in pregnancy. The major risk of having preeclampsia is um, having eclampsia, which can lead to seizures. So Mm -hmm. basically how I describe it to my patients is that you have this placenta that you make in your body. And based up, basically from the placenta, there's little arteries that goes to different parts of different body parts in your body, like your liver, your kidneys, things like that. So with hypertension, it's, it's a constriction of those, um, those kind of those arteries. So what we see in pregnancy, it can lead to, you know, damage of your liver, of your kidneys. And that's why when Kiana was mentioning protein, um, you can see sometimes people have protein in their urine. So that's one of the complications of pregnancy. And it's, it's very prevalent, actually. It's, it's like one of the major things that I actually see um, in mm-hmm. pregnancy. So, yeah, that's preeclampsia. Yes. Yeah. So let's go back to, okay, so you said that you um, had got had got this uh, cesarean delivery planned. And yeah. Then, okay. So tell us about the day of that and how that kind of went for you. Yes. So doctor came in and said, okay, your proteins are high and we're going to go in for the cesarean section. So went in. That was fine. Um, had time to even shower beforehand. Um, <laughs> prepared for all of that. And so, um, it was a success. Um, the babies came out, uh, both were crying and NICU team was there, but they had been prepared all during my um, time on bed rest. So I was always on the radar because I had multiple times of being transferred to L&D for um, treatment um, for preterm labor, preterm labor with magnesium. Mm-hmm. So they were always waiting for that day. So um, they, like I said, they came out crying. Um, they were only on oxygen for a short time and then eventually were on room air. Um, Do you have girls or boys? Two boys. Two boys. What are their names? Cameron and Christian. Cameron and Christian. Aww. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So the delivery itself was successful. I mean, you know, it was it no complications at the time of um, delivery. So they were whisked off to NICU where they stayed for about a month and a half. About a month and a half. Hmm. Okay. So, um. That was a lot, Kiana. <laughs> like, yeah, that was, was a lot. <laughs> yes. So, that was definitely a lot going on. With yeah. you dealing with um, the endometriosis, the IVF, um, the bed rest, the preeclampsia, then having to, you know, recover from the emergency C-section and then also deal with babies who had to have a NICU stay. Right. What kept you like emotionally and spiritually well during that time? Because I feel like for a lot of people, just one of those things happening could really tank them emotionally. So what really, what things did you do to kind of keep you full and able to keep going during the time that you had to process all of this? Right. So during that time, like I said, um, I wasn't saved or born again, but I had a lot of friends. I had um, a lot of seeds. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people watering my seed, I should say. So my Christian friends uh, really uh, being there for me uh, really got me through. And the staff, 
a lot of the staff, they were really compassionate, empathetic. That really made the difference um, because our family, from my husband and our family, they're in different parts, different states and even in other counties. So it was hard to get uh, the support we needed at that time um, from from family. So spiritually, just being connected with Christ, um, praying, having friends that were supportive and staff, mm-hmm. That that's really – and then just being – motivated and, and staying strong. I, my focus is always on my the well-being of my baby. So even during pregnancy, being strong for them, being strong for them. So seeing my babies progress in the NICU, that also helped me stay focused and motivated as well, seeing that they're progressing, you know, um, breastfeeding, pumping, no matter what, even if it was just one, you know, a few teaspoons, it was still right. that motivated me like, okay, this is something I'm giving them something. They, they motivated me as well. So that kept me going. And then the support of having the support of, of course, my husband as well. He was there. He was basically on bed rest with me and, and there the whole time. <laughs> ever. He was he was out of work for months, just like I was out of work. So that's yeah. what helped me. That just shows like the importance of like I know we talked about it in our first episode a lot with Rochelle, like establishing your tribe and mm-hmm. you know who's going to be there to support you. And it's just so important to like be able to have those people that surround you and keep you encouraged and motivated yes so i want to know about about this um postpartum period with you and these twins yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that was the like it's the birth was was good that's maybe the, the the part that was the easiest i guess um so the postpartum period was tough for me Um, and I think that's what actually we get to that, uh, to what inspired me to even want to become a postpartum doula, even though at the time I didn't know what a postpartum doula was, was because of my postpartum experience. So let's see. So the time, I don't even know how many hours, maybe a few hours after coming out of the C-section, my boys, like I said, they were the NICU. Um, being a healthcare professional too, I think that kind of, I don't want to say set me up, but um, maybe I guess that's a good word. Set me up to have fears of things that could happen. I didn't even really, mm-hmm. I wasn't even aware of the maternal mortality rates at that time. This was eight years mm-hmm. ago, so I didn't even know about that. But just things that I had seen working as a mother baby nurse and seeing postpartum hemorrhages. So that was always a concern for me, and a, I guess a fear. I, I'll say that. Um, mm-hmm. So and. Things that I had seen. So I would just always say to the nurse that was helping me at the time, how do you guys, the questions that I would ask, I said, how do you guys take care of postpartum hemorrhages? Do you take them in the OR or do you manually extract? <laughs> and the nurse would just look at me like, of course, that's inhumane. Why would we not take you into the OR? You're right across the hall from I'm like, okay, whew, I feel better. I'm like, okay. So yeah, then, I think sometimes we can think like when you do actually work in the yeah field, you think of everything yeah like because like, we see a lot so. yes so that maybe set me up like you know I shouldn't you know have been thinking about that but that's where my mind was okay yeah so the doctor comes in one of the doctors was a different a multiple team so it wasn't my midwife OB that had done um the section or the recovery right after um the section. So she comes in, the OB comes in, and she's doing a fundal check, you know, checking my the uterus to see if it's firm and contracting. Um, and I'm just thinking she's doing the exam. So I stood at epidural, and she goes in, and apparently she was manually extracting um, clots. Oh. 
So I didn't know this because I was had still had the epidural in. So and she didn't yeah. like explain. She just started doing that. Yeah, she just came that in. Crazy. I know. I, but she was calm. I just thought she said. She just said, "I'm just going to check your your fundus because she knows I'm a nurse. I'm just going to check your fundus and see how things are going." And the nurse that was in there with me had was just you know standing there to another nurse, and she's checking me. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just looking around, like, okay, she's checking me. Okay, she's feeling my my belly, checking to make sure my uterus is is not body or you know is contracting mm-hmm. and so then the other nurse that I had asked about what your what do you do when someone's having a hemorrhage what do you do she comes in the room afterwards maybe a few minutes afterwards and comes in there screaming oh my god oh my god Karen I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm like what 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 what's going on what's happening what she said I'm so sorry the doctor just came in and she I didn't know we would we would do it that way I'm like do what she said she just extracted the clots out of you. We didn't take you into the OR. I'm like, she did? I didn't even know what she was doing. I didn't, I thought she was just checking my uterus. I, wow. Yeah. So that's I was not like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I feel like everything that's done to you, you need to be, right, like, explained that. it and asked, is that right. okay to do? Yeah. You know? I didn't think be, about that. Yeah. When you think when you say that, I should have it should have been told to me. I'm wondering like why she didn't because she didn't want me to get upset, like so I wouldn't panic because of my questioning before. I don't, she wasn't in the room when I asked that question, but I'm wondering why she didn't tell me. Yeah. Why she yeah. felt the need to just do that? So that would have been yeah. When, when I think back on that part, that that adds to you know my postpartum recovery period when I think back on that. So then she did that fine. You know everything was fine. She gave me medication to help my uterus contract more. And then, so then two days later, um, I'm now back on the postpartum unit recovering and I'm getting up in the morning, change of the, t- the shifts is morning, like maybe 6.50, 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to the restroom um, and my husband was asleep and I went in there to change and to use my peri bottle. And then I went back into, got back into the bed to update my coworkers on the progress of the babies and my um, postpartum recovery. And um, I was on my laptop and a change of shift nurse came in and she wanted to just, you know, check my incision, my bleeding. And so as I take the blanket off, it's like it's November. So it's a lot of, you know, the, the thick blankets. I'm taking all the blankets off and then I t- finally get down to my gown so she can check me and my hands covered in blood. And I'm trying yeah. to figure out, I said, wait a minute, I just changed myself. Why am I, why do I have blood on my hands? I don't understand. So we take off more and get to my gown and it's basically, my gown is just covered, my whole abdomen is covered in blood. It's now going onto the floor and yeah. oh trying to figure out where the blood is coming from. I'm like, I just changed my pad. We don't know where it's coming from. I said, I just changed my pad. I don't know what's going on. And so she runs out and she gets the charge nurse and the charge nurse, she happened to be black. Um, and she came and she said, not on my watch, not on my watch. And <laughs> they went into action, told the nurse that was my nurse to what to do, put, you know, taking the gown off. And we found mm-hmm. it was coming from my incision. Um, she said, put pressure here. We had to, you know, they got the pressure dressing together, had to wake my husband up, said, honey, you might want to wake up. We got a problem again, you know, because they had problems during my pregnancy. So it's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they had to use him to put pressure so they can call the, um, at that moment, my OB midwife was was actually on call for that morning he was actually getting ready to go home but he basically now he couldn't so they call him in they're putting pressure dressing on the the blood's just oozing to the point where it's on the floor it's just nonstop. so he basically had to prep me for going back into the or oh my goodness yeah 
So by the time they got me to the OR, which, you know, it was less than, I don't even know, I can't even keep track of the time, of course, but it was probably less than, less than 10 minutes, less than 15, they had me back into the OR. And by the time I was in the OR, I was going in and out of consciousness. Um, and the same day, my, my, one of my twin boys was scheduled for, um, G, he was scheduled for repair on, um, he had a defect in his intestines. So he was scheduled to go into the OR that same morning that I was going to the OR. So my husband, they had to call, um, uh, what is it? Uh, a pastor, the pastoral services. They had to utilize that for him because we didn't have family support. We didn't, this was, you know, we didn't have family nearby. So he was by himself. We had, they had to call support for him because there's two surgeries going on mine and, and my son's. Um, so we're going in, into the OR, I'm going in and out of consciousness and they, um, find out that basically the reason for my bleeding is because of an artery just ruptured. There's a freak thing that just happened. So mm-hmm. they had to go in and, um, cauterize it and then they stopped the bleeding. So by the time that they got to that, um, I had lost about two units of blood. So I had to, uh, get blood transfusions and. Yeah, it was a successful, you know, he, he, they, the nurse came in there just, just in time, thank God. Um, mm. and it saved my life. So they, they saved my life. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. That is a story. Yeah. Oh so, my goodness. I'm so that was glad. That, recovery. <laughs> that, that was a lot. And yeah. It's like, we're already like, well, you already went through a lot with the pregnancy. Right. Like, right. And that was I'm just so two days glad. in. Yes, I'm so glad they did catch that. That's mm-hmm. really scary. Yes, because I had no idea. I mean, I was just sitting there with the laptop over me, and but she just she said that she felt the urge to come in to check me first from her change of shift. So I'm thank, thankful to God, to God that she wow. did. <laughs> That's so. I'm glad that she did too. Yes, me as well. So with all that going on, how do you feel like? that experience changed you like as a woman and a woman and a healthcare provider, like that was a lot. Yeah. So now that I've been a patient myself, I can empathize more and relate more to my patients. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I named my um, business compassionate doula services. Cause um, I just want to provide um, families with compassion. Um, that was hard. And, and, I just that that inspired me for the name and to also get into providing postpartum doula services because that would have made a difference even at even once I got out of the hospital just having the support recovering from all of that you know uh, just the effects of preeclampsia the swelling afterwards still going back and forth to the NICU to see my boys during the recovery um, it was a lot so that experience just basically helped me to see from a patient's eye that a different lens than a healthcare provider. So I provide more, I was already a compassionate healthcare provider before that, but it just, it made it more, I can relate more to my, to my patients because I'm also a home health, pediatric home health nurse. So when I see most of my patients are premature, they've delivered prematurely. So I can definitely relate to that more. I can understand Mm -hmm. where the moms are coming from, from being a mom of NICU babies. Um, so I, I have that, I feel that made me, be, made me more connected with my patients, with my clients. Definitely. Well, that story gets a standing ovation. I yes. feel like your story, it, it showed like perseverance. It showed like how just even educating, I feel like we got to educate on so many points from that yes. today. Um, and hope our listeners learned so much because I even like, 
got a refresher and some things, which was <laughs> great. So we're so happy that you came and you. shared your story and how you. you got through all of that and how, and I think that everything that kind of happens to us leads us to be able to help someone else or to like, right. you know, or leads in and creates our journey in. So, Definitely. yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Now, um, oh, oh, now as we mentioned um, before, we are going to give an educational tip um, or at least like, you know, discuss topics um, kind of related to the birth stories that we share before our show ends. You can always DM us at birth.ish on Instagram if there are topics or questions that you would like us to address. Today, um, we decided to talk about C-sections, and I'll let Jaysha take off with that one. Sure. Yeah, so since um, Kiana kind of mentioned, like, how she had to have a C-section, we wanted to kind of talk about that. Um, So basically, how I always counsel about it is birth comes with risk, you know? It's like we have in our minds sometimes, like, okay, like just what we see on the media and everything. And of course we, you want to go in wanting a, you know, a successful, healthy birth, you know, Mm -hmm. a normal birth. But sometimes, you know, birth comes without what I call inherent risk. Like sometimes things happen and, you know, we don't always want to have to go to a cesarean, but sometimes it's necessary to have a healthy baby as far as, you know, if, if there's risk factors as if or the baby's heart rate's low or there's Mm -hmm. tons of different reasons why it's appropriate and so um I feel like it's it's really hard to prepare like I said but it's just knowing like what would happen sometimes if you have a c-section or if something doesn't go right like so when I do like my childbirth education which I'm working on the classes I try to talk about things I try to talk (laughs) about um you know, I, I talk about pregnancy, you know, it's beautiful, but I also like to talk about things in, in, in a balance that could happen, you know, we don't want to like over like all these things could happen, you know, and then take away from the birth experience, but it's also like kind of being educated. So there's a balance between knowing and, and just know that it's, it's all birth, you know, mm-hmm. that's the main thing mm-hmm. I want to get out of it because a lot of right. people, there's this like competition. Oh, you, if you don't have a natural birth, I had my birth with no right. epidural. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's fine, but that's not everybody's story, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was a, like so perfect since we're coming right on the end of um, April as uh, C-section awareness <laughs> month. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, bring that up that, you know, whether whatever type of birth you had, you're still a mom, you're still work as we can see, all this stuff that Kiana went through, <laughs> you know. So a mom mom. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I wanted to say. And Tier, you can add anything if or Kiana if you wanted to add anything for our listeners on that topic as well. I just wanted to say kind of like the same thing that you said, Jaysha. I think that the birth quote quote competition that we sometimes have as women like that needs to be put to an end um you know it's already bad enough for some women who envision their birth a certain way to have to process and deal with the fact that they had to have a c-section and sometimes Mm -hmm. that does come with some type of trauma because you know usually it's due to something quick happening that they didn't expect Uh like you know the baby's heart rate deselling or um 
anything, you know, hypertension. Like, it could be so many things that are mm-hmm. already stressful and traumatic mm-hmm. for a family. I think the whole comparison thing is pretty gross. <laughs> and I yeah. hate when people do it. Right. Um, and I would also encourage, you know, if your provider is already discussing with you C-sections or even if they haven't, there are still ways to make C-sections nowadays more friendly um, for you and your partner. You can ask if, you know, a doula can be present. Sometimes they can. Sometimes they can't. Um, they now have, like, the clear drapes um, in certain facilities that you can request. So you can feel more, you know, involved in the birth process. You can yeah. ask for immediate skin to skin if everything yeah. is okay with, you know, you and the baby. So don't kind of like rule out C-section like, oh, my gosh, my birth experience is ruined. Like, right. absolutely not. You can still have um, some of the things you desire in your birth plan. And most importantly, you know, the outcome should always be a healthy mother and a healthy baby. So those right. are the things that you know, we want. And Kiana, feel free to chime in any thoughts that you have as well. Um, I was just going to agree with both of you that, I, you know, I don't think that as mothers, we already have enough pressure from society, from ourselves even, um, mm-hmm. feeling like we're not good enough. So I think that comparing, okay, well, you didn't deliver vaginally. You didn't really deliver. I've seen that in um, some mom groups where if you you didn't really have a you didn't really give birth because you were a C-section versus okay if you had a baby vaginally like you're not really you didn't really give birth you didn't know what you don't know what it's like but everybody's journey every person's journey is different I mean I have I'm here I have my babies I'm still a mom right. um, and I don't think we sh- we should do that to each other because we need support like no matter what your birth journey is what you know what whatever way you delivered your baby it doesn't matter. Exactly. And on that note, we like to end kind of on Kiana. What is one piece of advice that um, has carried you to where you are now as a mother? So I'd say something that you want to just share with our listeners as, you know, being a mom or who may have been in the same situation that you were in or just some advice. Right. So I would say that. The one piece of advice that I remember um, getting early on, um, well, maybe not early on, but maybe maybe four months into um, recovering at home, um, I had a friend that reminded me, again, my type of personality, that this is not the season for everything to be perfect. It's okay if your house is if your house is a mess, if things are out of out of place. Um, it's not the season for that. You're a mom now. It's a different season. You're a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So accept the season that you're in. Everything doesn't have to be perfect in the way that it is afterwards. Um, just accept the season that you're in and accept help mm-hmm. from yes, really friends. Good. You're not going to be a burden. That's you know, it's accept the season. And, and she told me that if in the season that you're in, it's okay that your house is a mess. It's okay that this is this is not in place. You have toys here. Or, you know, things are not where they normally were before you had babies. And if anyone comes to visit and has to criticize you or say anything about the ask them to help or get out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one piece of advice I would say, and just to add to what my friend told me is that, um, again, just accepting help and support emotionally, physically from your family, your friends, um, anyone that's willing to give 
that type of support because you you know most for me you feel like a burden mm-hmm. so asking so maybe family members don't know to ask they think okay you're a nurse or you have this you don't need you have you probably have friends that are helping you so i'm not going to ask no it's okay to ask for that support um emotionally and physically and for those that maybe are listening that have fam- family that just had a baby reach out to them offer that support because maybe they feel what i'm saying is that we're a burden we don't want to burden you with 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 us because you're busy so we don't want to ask for that help but extend your hand out to help to to parents that just had babies you know offer Mm -hmm. that help support physically emotionally where you can um and if possible hire a postpartum doula to fill in those gaps Well, that was so great, John. We just really appreciate your time, taking the time to come and join us. It was so amazing. It was fun. Yes, thanks. So, thank you all for tuning into Birthish. Um, please make sure you follow Birthish. It's birth.ish on Facebook and Instagram. Like Tierra mentioned earlier, um, for the month of May, we're kind of transitioning into mindfulness and mental health. Um, and pregnancy and we have some really special guests so make sure you continue to tune in yes and remember that birth is your own journey so continue to grow and flourish each and every day and until next time stay Stay on your your birth birth (laughs) (laughs) bye bye Bye. thank you for having me bye ladies bye bye